Welcome to podcast episode 234. I'm Stuart McCullough. I'm the CEO of BHAA. Joining me for today's discussion is Senior Workplace Relations Consultant, Daniel Pullen. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you, Stuart. Daniel, I understand there is something of a reversal of the normal order of things that rather than me presenting you a clue and having you guess, uh, things, are, things are the other way around. They are, Stuart. So uh, I'm going to have a crack at uh, presenting a clue to you. Mm. Um, so on screen shortly will be a YouTube video uh, and I'll ask you to watch it and then I'll have a couple of questions after to see if you can guess the topic for today's podcast. Okay, let's go. So, Stuart, tell me what you saw. Well, uh, Daniel, what I saw is genius. Uh, that's that's Dolly Parton performing 9 to 5. Dolly Parton is a genius. Uh, but if we move past Dolly, uh, we see some very suspect haircuts uh, on the part of the rest of the band. Uh, pay particular attention to the drummer. Uh, that's a mullet that can be seen from space. So uh, I'm taking it that the subject for today's discussion is haircuts. Look, Stuart, that's a fantastic guess. And when you started out by saying it was an actor genius, I thought it wasn't that great of a clue. Um, but you were referring to Dolly Parton, not my clue selection. Um, it isn't the mullet, and it isn't is it the topic isn't haircuts. Uh, the the name of that song is Nine to Five, and uh, today we are talking about the doctors in training agreement, hours of work, twenty four seven rosters, and the rosters clause. I think it should be said uh, right from the outset that nine to five does not necessarily indicate the nature of the roster. Uh, the, the hours are somewhat different to that. But thank you, uh, Daniel. That's an excellent clue. And uh, all, any excuse, really, uh, to hear from Dolly Parton, I think, uh, is one that we should take. Um, Daniel, before we jump into those clauses, the hours of work and those rosters uh, provisions, uh, have there been any developments with regards to the progress of both the doctors in training and medical specialists agreements? There has. Uh, so we received approval from government to progress to ballot on the 26th of September, and we'll be holding the ballot from 9am on Thursday, the 13th of October until 5pm on Sunday, the 23rd of October. And then what happens in the event of a successful outcome of those ballots? So we'll file both agreements in the Fair Work Commission for approval on Monday, the 24th of October. One of the most frequent questions we get, uh, Daniel, is how long will it take for the agreements to then be approved? So we found that around six weeks presents an average for this round of bargaining. Uh, we should say that the Fair Work Commission has significantly reduced this time for approval since last bargaining round. We also engaged with the Fair Work Commission to have the two agreements assessed before we move to ballot, and that ensures a quicker assessment and approval process. So once the Fair Work Commission does approve the agreements, how long is it before they commence operation? So once the Commission approves those agreements, those agreements will then come into operation seven days after the approval. And just so members have a sense of what to expect, can they expect some uh, implementation material from us in anticipation of that approval? They can. Uh, and we've prepared some implementation material in advance and we'll be preparing more. So members should anticipate the salary circular and an implementation guide for both agreements once the ballot concludes, rather than when the agreement comes into operation. And that allows our members to prepare in advance. 
All right, so let's return then to the topic of the day, um, which is hours of work rosters and 24-7 rosters. Uh, let's start at the beginning. Let's start with hours of work. Wonderful. So the hours of work clause is found at clause 33 of the Doctors and Training Agreement, and we have a full dance card for this podcast. So I'll take people to the changes in this clause as the majority of the hours of work clause is unchanged. So at 33.2, you can see on screen, it provides for maximum hours and consecutive shifts. Uh, The clause has been amended to provide a single upper limit of 140 hours in any 14 consecutive days. So members would recall that the previous agreement or the current agreement as we we filmed the podcast had provided for three upper limits. So 75 hours in any seven consecutive shifts, 140 hours in any 14 consecutive days, or 280 hours in any 28 consecutive days. And that provided for some confusion for doctors and health services, particularly where a doctor would be rostered for seven nights in a row. And just uh, I want to go back to that term genuine medical emergency, which appears within the amended term that was on screen before. What does that refer to? So it's not a reference to someone calling in sick. It is a higher bar than that. So the cap can be exceeded, but the circumstances are limited uh, to a genuine medical emergency or disaster situation. What about the rest of that first subclause? Subclause B provides that where a doctor has exceeded or is likely to exceed the hours of work prescribed in subclause 33.2 as a result of the performance of unrostered overtime, the doctor should, as soon as practicable, alert the employer in accordance with subclause 41.2B. It's interesting in that the obligation is on the doctor to make the hours that, because they're unrostered, may not be visible, known to the employer. Uh, So in terms of the 140-hour cap over two weeks, does that include on-call? No, so it's not inclusive of periods of on-call, but as the subclause makes clear, it does include recall and overtime. What about the next uh, subclause? So subclause C provides that a health service will not be in breach of this clause where the doctor applies for unrostered overtime after the relevant period expires. It's interesting, uh, sort of stating that the health service isn't in breach because the doctor makes those otherwise invisible hours visible after the relevant period. That's correct. So a health service can't be in breach of something they aren't made aware of until after the fact. Um, Finally, at uh, para D, uh, it provides that the health service will endeavour to roster equitably, having regard for all the circumstances, including those of the doctors and the needs of the organisation. I think one thing that we should be really clear on is the difference between equally and equitably. Um, So this term requires consideration as to what's fair in the circumstance, but it does not require that everybody is rostered the same. And in bargaining, we discussed that there were circumstances where, for example, uh, because of family responsibilities, a particular uh, shift may not work as many of, uh, or a roster may not work uh, as many of a particular type of shift. That takes uh, takes us to the second change within this clause, which was the lowering of the cap on the rostered hours in a day. So that's at 33.3 and it's titled hours per day, and it provides that doctors must not be rostered for duty for more than 14 consecutive hours on any given shift, unless in the case of a registrar, exceptional circumstances exist that require a greater shift length. Members would recall that uh, the previous agreement provided that the maximum rostered hours per day was 16. That's now been amended to 14. And it's important to note that this does not include periods of on-call or unrostered overtime. Still a very big number, but it's a change that people need to be aware of. And Daniel, those are the changes then for the hours of work. I guess that takes us then to clause 35 rosters. 
let's get that clause up on screen. So up on screen, people will see 35.2 titled roster posting. Uh, and it provides that a roster of at least 28 days duration that states each doctor's daily working hours and start and finishing times must be posted at least 28 days before the roster comes into operation. The roster or rosters must be exhibited at a convenient place accessible to the doctors to whom it applies. So you'll see that the time for posting a roster has moved from 14 days before the roster comes into operation to 28 days. And that's consistent with other agreements such as nurses and midwives. I understand also that uh, there were additions to the rosters at, uh, roster design clause at subclause three, uh, which provide essentially for a closer engagement on safe hours of work. Yeah, that's correct. And there are five elements that we'll, we'll take to on the screen. So uh, at 35.3a, it provides that the provisions of this subclause are to be read in conjunction with clause 41, which is workload management and review. Just really making the point that this clause is not read in a vacuum, that there are other terms of the agreement that are that are relevant. Correct. So that takes us to B, that provides that a health service must not roster or arrange work hours in a way that causes an excessive or unsafe work pattern to exist and shall apply a framework to consider safe working hours. So occupational health and safety issues are, are paramount uh, and it can't be left to chance and the safety of rosters must be considered in the context of a framework, and we'll say more about that framework in a moment. So at C, it provides that the obligation to work safe hours applies to both the health service and the doctor. What's interesting about that term, I think, is that it's not limited uh, that the it's not limited to to rosters, but the number of hours worked, uh, and that there's mutuality within that provision. That is, safe hours is an issue that uh, must be the subject of ongoing engagement. And that takes us to D. So it provides that the National Code of Practice, hours of work, shift work, and rostering for hospital doctors in creating rosters is the recommended framework under which to consider safe working hour issues and will be considered by health services in meeting their obligations under this clause. Really, it's, it's not something that people need to invent. The Code of Practice that is something that must be considered. We'll post a copy of that code on the landing page for, that agree, for this agreement uh, once it is approved. So at E, it provides that at the request of the ambassador or other authorised representative of the association, the health service will meet to discuss roster design, safe hours of work under this clause 35.3. That's, that's really another example of that um, requirement to engage this time with the association. And finally at F, it is recognised that unrostered overtime can impact safe hours of work. In addition to raising any concerns about safe hours of work as a result of unrostered overtime with the employer, doctors will submit timesheets or equivalent with any unrostered overtime within the timeframe required by the health service. Point here, um, and what's interesting about that term is that it makes, it acknowledges that the timely submission of timesheets is essential for making hours visible and, and manageable. So that takes us to roster changes at subclause 35.5. And on screen, you can see that at A, rosters will not change without at least 14 days notice of a change in roster other than in an emergency situation external to the employer or disaster subject to B below. Mindful cutting in there, subject to B below, that's something of a cliffhanger, but um, probably worth saying that that's a really common statement, I guess, in the context of a rosters clause that there must be 14 days notice and if there's not, uh, Daniel, there's generally a price attached to the change? That's correct and uh, that's provided at B. 
So if the health service requires a doctor to work ordinary hours outside of the existing roster and has not given 14 days notice of the change, and there is no emergency external to the employer or disaster situation, the doctor must be paid a daily allowance, which is titled change of roster allowance as followed. So seven days or less notice, 5% of the doctor's ordinary weekly rate of pay for the rostered hours worked per shift. And for eight to 14 days notice, it's 2.5% of the doctor's ordinary weekly rate of pay for the rostered hours worked per shift. And there's an alignment here uh, in terms of those, those allowances and the, the posting of the roster. It does, uh, and, it, and it matches those changes. And there's a lot of similarity here between the nurses and midwives agreement, for example, but there are some exceptions. Um, so let's see, it provides that where a doctor is part-time and has agreed to work shifts or a shift in addition to those rostered, the doctor will uh, is not entitled to the allowance in subclause 35.5b above. And so where a doctor is part-time and has agreed to work shifts in addition to those rostered, under those circumstances, the doctor's not entitled to the allowance? Correct, and it's provided for at D. So in the circumstances described at B, change of roster, the health service will consult with the doctor whose roster is being amended to consider the circumstances, including the amount of notice, workload impact, the responsibilities of the doctor, including family responsibilities. Just in terms of this consultation requirement for change of roster, we're not talking about the type of consultation that we associated with, with organisational change, for example. No, uh, and because the hours are being altered, it's a mechanism to gauge the impact on the doctor because people have been relied upon in the roster to plan other things. And in terms of the consultation requirement, we're not talking about something along the lines of organisational change consultation, are we? No, because the hours are being altered, it's a mechanism to gauge the impact on the doctor because people may have relied on the roster to plan other things. So rather than make that change blindly, uh, the consultation is really about making an informed decision and that's the purpose of consultation here. And there are some clauses that go to exceptions and they're on screen now. So at point six, for the purposes of this clause 35, an unforeseen medical emergency or disaster situation is not planned leave nor providing a replacement for unplanned absence. At point seven, a doctor may request in writing to alter the roster. The roster may then be altered by agreement with the health service. And at, at point eight, where the doctors swap rostered shifts, only the penalties and allowances for the shift that the doctor actually works are payable. And so in terms of those exceptions, I, I would describe those as orthodox exceptions to change a roster provisions. Um, but there are a couple of unique terms under this clause. So these concern rosters and rotation and notification of a change of roster. So at point nine, it talks about rosters and rotation. So where a roster, including a change of roster, will include a rotation that has not been previously agreed with the doctor, the health service must seek agreement in accordance with clause 24.3 of this agreement. So whilst that's not a unique term, it's similar to the point that we were making before about clauses not being considered in a vacuum and that there are relevant terms, and in this case, there's a relevant existing term to that issue. And look, it continues at point 10 around notification of a change of roster. So health services will advise doctors as to how a change of roster will be notified to affected doctors. So the how being whether it is, um, whether it's by text, whether it's by app, whether it's by phone call or carrier pigeon. And it's really about being clear as to how you're going to communicate that important change to when hours are worked. So that really takes us to the third component of the podcast, which is a new provision for with respect to 24-7 rosters. 
it is a new term and it's really about having an eye to the future as 24-7 rostering becomes more common for this group. Um, so on screen you'll see the start of the clause and that's at 33A. And at point one, it provides where a health service rosters doctors on a 24-7 basis in any part of its organisation. The rosters will include overlap between the shifts to allow for handover. It's a very straightforward and, and accepted principle that there's time for handover between shifts. And that takes us to point two, uh, and it provides some examples of a 24-7 roster and what they include, but they aren't limited to. So it provides an example of a three shift across each 24 hour period roster, which is your AM, PM and night duty, with those shifts typically not exceeding a 10 hours each. Um, and or the second option, which is a two shift across each 24 hour period, which is an AM and a PM, with those shifts typically being at least 12 hours, include, excluding the meal break, but not greater than 14 hours each. Really important, I think, to emphasize that this paragraph is informative and, and mm. not restrictive. Specifically, it gives examples of 24-7 rosters without limiting the options. And at point three, it carries on to say that notwithstanding the typical shift lengths described at subclause 33A2, shifts will not exceed the limit set out at subclause 33.3. Again, really taking us back to our theme that these terms don't operate in a vacuum. The rules established elsewhere about shift lengths still apply. And at point four, it provides nothing in this term prevents other shift configurations, such as saddle shifts. And that's not a reference to the Saddle Club, which is a fantastic TV show. Mm. Uh, and it, that takes us then to point five, which is nothing in this term prevents rosters with an accrued time model, such as accrued day off, through clause 16, individual flexibility arrangement. Thank you for leaving open the possibility of Saddle Shift Club, though. Um, again, though, not limiting how the roster is configured. And at point six, it talks about existing 24-7 rosters. So where a health service currently has a 24-7 roster, the current roster will be posted as required by clause 35 of the agreement and available for discussion at the WIC, the Workplace Implementation Committee. That's an interesting one in the sense that we, this subclause has a reminder of an existing obligation, which is the posting of the roster, but also a provision around engagement uh, with the Implementation Committee on the existing 24-7 rosters which takes us to new 24-7 rosters, and that's at point seven. So it is acknowledged that a health service may wish to transition to a permanent 24-7 roster in a part of its organisation for reasons including, but not limited to, the meeting of service needs having regard for activity levels. Where this is proposed, the health service shall consult as required by clause 10 or 10A, depending on the circumstances, provide a copy of the proposed roster to the association, and provide a copy of the roster following consultation to the association. Just, just before we um, move past that, it's worth sort of noting some big changes under this agreement with regards to on-call and recall, really with a shift towards more orthodox uh, arrangements. And I guess the circumstances where people would contemplate um, a moving to a 24-7 roster is where the level of activity on on-call and recall is such that it is more efficient to have a 24 seven uh, service. And that was something Daniel, you and I talked a lot about um, with, with the AMA during, during bargaining. Um, but just sort of noting also in that clause, the consultation engagement are, are again, a central thing. Uh, and I think it's sort of understood that there is a shift uh, in this direction. And there's also recognition that the issue is in some ways bigger than the enterprise agreement, um, which takes us to uh, a conversation on reform. And that's at point eight. So it talks about reform to meet service demand engagement. 
and it provides that it is acknowledged that as a result of a range of factors, including increases in service demand, more service areas may seek to establish 24-7 rostering over time. To support this, it's also acknowledged that this will require additional EFT, consultation with health services, doctors, specialist medical colleges, and the PMCV with respect to matters including training and accreditation. And finally, the BPEC will develop a suitable consultation process in that regard. Okay, so there's some ongoing work through the Best Practice Employment Committee, uh, Commitment Committee uh, to, to do around that space. Daniel, thank you for taking us through those three sub-clauses. Um, we began this podcast uh, by uh, with a bit of Dolly Parton and, and 9 to 5, and I feel we should end in a similar way. Uh, do you have the lyrics uh, to that song to hand? Look, I, I can probably bring them up pretty quickly. I think you should. I think you should bring them up. Um, and I think I think you should read them. I think we should go out with our own version of Dolly Parton's okay. 9 to 5. out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping, out on the streets the traffic starts jumping, the folks like me on the job from 9 to 5. <laughs> I can't do this. That's the best you're going to get from me. Best thing in the end for me.